Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you are continuing to stay safe and are and are continuing to socially distance yourselves and wear your mask, regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not. We are all still in the middle of a pandemic. We will all get through this. This fight is not over. But I believe, like I said before, we all will get through it. All of us out there just need to be smart and not be stupid. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, week one of the NFL just took place and it just took place and it just ended this this past Monday night with the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. But I want to backtrack for a second. I want to talk about a couple of games that took place this past Sunday and this past Thursday night. First, let's go to last Thursday night with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys taking on the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I'm going to give you guys a couple of reasons as to why I believe the Dallas Cowboys need to feel really, really good despite losing to Tampa Bay, but they also need to feel discouraged losing to Tampa Bay the way they did as well. First, let's start off as to why I believe Dallas needs to feel really, really good despite losing to Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay. I want to throw some numbers out to you guys real quick. Time of possession. Dallas, out time of possession, Tampa Bay, 33 minute, or 34 minutes to 25 minutes. Total yards, 451 for Dallas, 431 for Tampa. Passing yards, Dallas, 391. Tampa, 379. First downs. 30 to 24 for Dallas. Penalties. Dallas had eight. Tampa had 11. Turnovers. Dallas had one. Tampa had four. Total plays. Dallas had 77. Tampa had 64. Now, I I put those numbers out to you guys because if you look at those numbers and then you watch the game, you can clearly see Dallas played up to their full capability up until the end of the game. And also, not only that, Dallas's defense was very, very opportunistic with the four turnovers that they got in that game. They were very, very opportunistic. But here's where I, here's where I honestly believe Dallas needs to be discouraged. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott. 42 of 58 for 403 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Ezekiel Elliott had 11 carries for 33 yards and averaged 3.0 yards per carry. Tony Pollard, three carries for 14 yards, averaged 4.7 yards a carry. And obviously Amari Cooper had 13 catches for 139 yards, two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had 15 catch had 15 uh, targets. Seven uh seven of them were caught for 104 yards and a touchdown. I say Dallas needs to be discouraged because you cannot have Dak Prescott throw the football 58 times and win a football game. You can't. Especially with Dak Prescott coming off of a broken ankle going up against a going up against a pass rush with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that is as good as theirs is with Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue, Shaq Barrett 
and Devin White and Levante David. You cannot have Dak Prescott throwing the football that many times with that kind of pass rush lurking around the corner with Tampa Bay. That's the discouraging part about this. You cannot put that kind of a load on your quarterback. Now, another thing that I believe Dallas needs to be or uh, um, needs to feel needs to feel good about. I believe Dallas needs to feel good about the fact that when they put the when they put the ball in Dak's hands that much, Dak was able to show up and play very, very, very well. It was almost like Dak Prescott didn't even realize half the time that Tampa Bay's pass rush was even there because he was so lasered in and focused, and he was on such a roll at at certain points in the game. But, like I said before, Dallas needs to feel very, very good about the fact that they hung in there with the defending champions for as long as they did. Stat-wise, they outplayed Dallas, uh, or, 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 or um, excuse me, stat-wise, they outplayed Tampa. And then also, the fact that they put the ball in Dak Prescott's hands as much as they did, and he was able to carry the load as much as he did, those are the things that, that I believe Dallas needs to feel good about. And also, another thing that Dallas needs to feel really good about is that their defense is um is that their defense got as got as many turnovers as they as their defense got. The defense forced four turnovers. So that's another thing that I realized about Dallas's defense. Dallas's defense is very, very opportunistic. Very, very opportunistic. Their secondary is not going to shut you down. Their front four is going to get there, not as consistently as I'm pretty sure their their front their uh their their the the coaching staff would like. But bottom line is Dallas's defense is very, very opportunistic as far as forcing turnovers. Now, here's what I will say about Dallas and Tampa. When I watch Dallas and Tampa, and I'm going to be very, very brief with this because I want to talk about Pittsburgh and Buffalo real quick. With Buffalo and Tampa, I was watching teams, two teams that look almost exactly the same. And what I mean by that is I just ran you guys off Dak's numbers. I'm going to read you off Tom Brady's numbers real quick. Tom Brady went 32 of 50 for 379 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Then for uh, – uh, Oh, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> Leonard Fournette, nine carries, thirty-two yards. Ronald Jones, four four carries, fourteen yards. I say that when I when I watch Dallas and Tampa, they look the same. When I say that, I mean when you look at Tampa's secondary on the defensive side of the football, and you look at Dallas's secondary on the defensive side of the football, you have two secondaries that are very young and, and inexperienced. When you look at Dallas's front front seven and you look at Tampa's front seven, I trust I trust Tampa's front seven more than I do Dallas's front seven, which means that at the end of the day, bottom line is I believe Tampa's secondary will get better because Tampa's because Tampa's front seven is better than Dallas's front seven. I don't know how much Dallas's front uh, Dallas's secondary is going to get better because of. How I, I guess you could say average Dallas's front seven is. So, like I said before, to me, 
watching these two teams and also I trust I trust Tampa to get their running game going eventually more than I do Dallas's and and I say that simply because of the fact that Ezekiel Elliott is at a point in his career where he cannot carry the load 25 to 30 times so bottom line is to wrap all of this up with Dallas and Tampa at the end of the day I trust Dallas's secondary more than, or, or, or excuse me, I trust Tampa's secondary more than I do Dallas's because I trust Tampa's front seven more than I do Dallas's front seven. And, and on the offensive side of the football, I believe Tampa will eventually get their running game going more than I think Dallas will get their running game going because Ezekiel Elliott is not a 25 to 30 carrier game guy anymore. So, that's my thought on Dallas and uh, that's my thought on Dallas and Tampa. But watching them, they 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 both both but watching Dallas and Tampa, they're both the same but they're also very different as well. Next up ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm just going to be as simple as this with Tampa and Pittsburgh. Watching Tampa and watching um or excuse me, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, excuse me. Watching Buffalo and Pittsburgh I was watching two teams that, just like Buff, just like Tampa and Dallas, looked almost exactly the same, but looked very, very, but looked very different. And here's why: Buffalo dominated that game on Sunday. They, they, they simply dominated most of that game with Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Here's why I say that: Buffalo time of possession. 33 minutes to 26 minutes for Pittsburgh. Buffalo, total yards, 371 to Pittsburgh, 252. Passing yards, 254 for Buffalo, 177 for Pittsburgh. Rushing yards, and the 117, the 117 rushing yards for Buffalo, eh, that's a bit of a facade. First downs, Buffalo, 22. uh, 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 Excuse me, first downs, Buffalo, 22, Pittsburgh, 16. Buffalo and Buffalo ran Buffalo ran 24 more plays than Pittsburgh did. I was watching two teams that last year simply relied on their quarterback to carry the load for them and it ended up with them eventually losing playoff games. Let's start with Pittsburgh very very quickly. Pittsburgh Looks the same as they did last year. Really couldn't run the football and relied on Big Ben's arm way too much. They looked at the, and they look exact. They looked and not only that, their defense carried them for most of the season last year. They look exactly the same now as they did last year. Buffalo really couldn't run the football last year. They relied on Josh Allen to carry them. And their defense, and their defense struggled to get after the quarterback. That's the same thing that I'm looking at when I look at Buffalo right now. These two teams look exactly the same. Buffalo, uh, but the difference is with Buffalo. For me, it looks like when Buffalo added Emmanuel Sanders. To me, it looks like Buffalo when adding Emmanuel Sanders. It's like. Okay, we're going to give Josh Allen more perimeter weapons. That means that we're going to put even more of a workload on Josh Allen's shoulders, and that's not how you win ball games. That that is not how you win football games 
And that and that's definitely not how you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills are not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs with Josh Allen throwing it 51 times and Buffalo really only running the football for 117 yards. But then again, like I said before, those numbers are skewed. Those numbers are skewed because for a good portion of this game, for a very, very good portion of this game, Josh Allen led the team in rushing. It wasn't until the last five minutes of this game where Buffalo really started to use their running backs. So bottom line is this. Buffalo and Pittsburgh look exactly the same. They're going to rely on their perimeter weapons, and they're really not going to run the football all that well, or they're going to just choose not to run the football, period. And they're going to rely on their perimeter weapons. But here's the biggest difference between Pittsburgh and Buffalo. But Pittsburgh's defense got after Buffalo. Buffalo's defense didn't get after Pittsburgh. Buff- Pittsburgh's defense got after Buffalo, and it eventually led to Pittsburgh taking advantage of it and winning the football game. And and, and then obviously Pittsburgh blocking blocking the a punt, scoring a touchdown, and that just that that just changed the momentum for the rest of the game. But with that being said. Buffalo and Pittsburgh, to me, look almost exactly the same. And in my opinion, both of these teams are trying to mimic the Kansas City Chiefs. And here's the thing. You're not Kansas City, Buffalo, or Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo just, just simply can't rely on their perimeter weapons and really either not run the football at all or not even try to run the football. You're not, you're not, you're not winning that way. Only Kansas City can win that way. And that's why I say when I watch Buffalo and I watch Pittsburgh, both of these teams look exactly the same. And when you look exactly the same and you try to mimic somebody else, eventually you're going to end up down the road not being able to win a championship. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you guys why Cleveland, despite them being as good as they are, they're missing one specific trait. That showed in their loss to the Kansas City Chiefs this past this past Sunday. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. As we all saw as football fans, as we all saw this past Sunday, the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield took on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you really go back and you really watch that game or if you really paid attention to that game, Cleveland dominated this game. They, they they dominated it for the most part. Cleveland had a 15-3 lead. They had a 22-10 lead. And they had a 29-20 lead. Cleveland had three different leads in this game of two touchdowns or more in this game. Cleveland played their style of football and still lost. I'm going to throw some numbers out to you guys very, uh, very, very quickly. Baker Mayfield went 21 for 28, 321 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. Nick Chubb, 15 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, six carries, 33 yards, one touchdown. David Njoku, 
three three catches, seventy six yards. Jarvis Landry, three ca- five catches, fifty seven uh, seventy one yards. Anthony Swartz, three catches, sixty nine yards. Kareem Hunt, three catches, twenty eight yards. Austin Hooper, three catches, twenty seven yards. You guys get my point. But as good as Cleveland is, here's where I believe Cleveland is missing that one specific trait that separates them from being a legit from being a legitimate legitimate championship contending team. Okay, let's go back for a second. Let's go back. Midway through the third quarter, late third quarter, Cleveland's up 22-17. Nick Chubb's carrying the football and he fumbles. Late in the fourth quarter, Cleveland's getting ready to punt. Jamie Gilliam, the punter for the Cleveland Browns, fumbles fumbles a snap back to him. And then late in the game, when Cleveland puts the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands to try to go down the field and win the game, Baker Mayfield throws an interception to end the game. A Nick Chubb fumble, a Baker Mayfield interception, and a Jamie Gilliam mishandled snap. All three of those things, despite having a 15-3 lead, a 22-10 lead, and a 29-20 lead, those three turnovers were the reason why the Cleveland Browns did not defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland, despite playing probably the best game that they will play all year from a balanced perspective, as far as from a balanced perspective on offense, that their offense, Baker Mayfield threw it 28 times. Cleveland ran it 22 times. And at the end of the day, bottom line is when you when you play Kansas City, you have to be as flawless as you possibly can. You have to play your style of football along with not turning the football over. Because the one thing that I've realized with teams who are either as good as Cleveland or probably a notch below Cleveland is, whenever teams like 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 Cleveland who who are that talented play Kansas City when the game starts to get tight or when they have Cleveland or, or excuse me when they have Kansas City on the ropes and and they have a chance to put Kansas City away they start to get tight and they start to panic you can't do that against Kansas City you cannot do that against the Chiefs the Chiefs were down 24 to nothing and at the end of the in the AFC divisional round playoff game last year against the Houston Texans came back in the second half and dropped 50 on Houston think about that man like come on Cleveland so bottom line is this with the Cleveland Browns Cleveland in order for Cleveland and and, and again this is not me picking on Cleveland. This is not me hating on Cleveland. Cleveland is very, very good, and I'm being perfectly honest with you guys. I think Cleveland's going to win the AFC North. I, I truly believe that they will win win the North. As much as I love my Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns are going to win the North. This is their year to win it. It's just that simple, period. Bottom line. 
But for Cleveland to be a legitimate championship contending football team, as good as they are, they cannot get tight in crucial moments in games like they did this past Sunday against Kansas City. Or they will not or they will never get over the hump and win a championship. So bottom line is this when you play Kansas City. You not only have to play your style of football, but you can't turn the ball over. You can't get tight and you can't play out of character because if you do any of those three things, Kansas City will take advantage of it and they will make you pay and they will beat you. Bottom line, it's just that simple. Is Cleveland talented? You absolutely they are. They're one of the more talented teams in the NFL. Top three, top five, top three Top three if they top three if they play to their full capability. But in order for in order for them to be to be a legitimate legitimate title contender, they gotta be able to have that one trait that championship contending teams have, and that's the killer instinct. And right now against Kansas City, they don't have that. And they need to get it, and they need to get it fast because they're going to eventually play Kansas City down the line again. And when they have an opportunity to put Kansas City away, they better put them away, or they're going to, or Cleveland's going to end up in the same situation that they ended up back in January of this year, suffering another suffering another playoff loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But coming up, but next up, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you guys my top three most interesting games. In week two of the NFL. Let's get started. My number three most interesting game for week two in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. I believe this game is going to simply come down to the simple fact of can can the can the Buffalo Bills develop some kind of running game? Can the Buffalo Bills develop some kind of running game? Because for me, me personally. I don't believe that the Buffalo Bills can go an entire season with Josh Allen pretty much carrying the offense in the passing game and in the run game. They have to run the football. But with that being said, I believe this game is going to come down to Josh Allen versus Tua. I trust Josh Josh Allen more than I do Tua. But at the end of the day, Josh Allen does have a tendency at times to to just just weirdly just just make these weird out of character mistakes where he'll run outside the pocket and at the at the very very last second he'll he'll, he'll throw a football across the middle of the field or he'll try to run with it and then if he sees somebody behind him, he'll flick it back like he did against the Houston Texans in the playoffs a couple years ago. Bottom line is this. Buffalo needs to win this game because if they lose this game, they are going to be 0-2 in the division in the AFC East, and that's not good for them. So, like I said before, this game will come down to Josh Allen versus Tua, I trust Josh Allen more than I do Tua, but the Buffalo Bills need to 
be able to run the football in this game. Because if they rely on Josh Allen to throw the football 51 times in this game, eventually Miami's gonna, Miami is going to take it, going to take advantage of it and Buffalo is going to lose this game. But with that being said, I think Buffalo gets back on the winning side of things and I believe Buffalo wins this game 27 to 20. Next up, my number two most interesting game. The Dallas Cowboys take on the Los Angeles Chargers. I believe this game will come down to Dak Prescott versus Justin Herbert. And in my opinion, this is just me. Me personally, I believe this game is going to come down to Dallas being able to run the football with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. If Dak, if the Dallas Cowboys cannot run the football and they rely on Dak Prescott to throw the football 58 times or 45 to 50 times again like he did against Tampa, the Chargers defense is too damn talented and they will make Dak Prescott pay. In my opinion, when it comes down to it, a shootout between Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott, in my opinion, I'm taking Justin Herbert. And I believe the Los Angeles Chargers will win this game because I don't trust Dallas and I don't trust Ezekiel Elliott to carry the load 25 to 30 times in this game. And I believe that that eventually this game is going to lie on the shoulders of Dak Prescott. And that's and with with the Chargers having the kind of defense that they have with Chris Harris Jr., with Derwin James, with Asante Samuel, with Kenneth Murray with Nick Bosa, with Uchenna Onwusu, I believe the Chargers will force the Dallas Cowboys offense into mistakes, and I believe the Chargers win this game 33-21. to And my number one most interesting game for Week 2 in the National Football League is the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we all know, the Las Vegas Raiders picked up a, a very, very big overtime win over the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers picked up a very, very crucial win over the Buffalo Bills. But I want to throw some numbers out there to you guys really, really quickly. With with Big Ben, Big Ben's record all time against the Las Vegas Raiders in his career, his record all time is two and five. Big Ben has a completion percentage against the Raiders of 68%. He averages 304.1 yards passing per game. He has 15 touchdown passes. He's thrown eight picks, and he's been sacked 16 times. Bottom line is this. Big Ben struggles against the Las Vegas Raiders. He has a 2-5 and five all-time record against them. All-time. He struggles against the Raiders in his career. I believe the Raiders. Now, the Raiders lost Gerald McCoy. They lost Yannick Ngakwe, and they lost their guard, Denzel Good, to injury. But at the end of the day, bottom line is this. I believe this game is going to simply come down to can the Las Vegas Raiders run the football? If the Las Vegas Raiders can run the football, then I give them a very, very good chance to to win this football game. Because what's the best way to slow down a very, very good pass rush? Run the football. If you run the football, that takes away T.J. Watt's ability to get after Derek Carr. That takes away Cameron Hayward's ability to get after Derek Carr. I believe I trust the Raiders' ability to stick to the run more than I do Pittsburgh's. And whether this game is in Pittsburgh or whether this game or whether this game is in Vegas, like I said before, overall, 
in Big Ben's career, he struggles against Big Ben struggles against the Raiders. And with that being said, the Las Vegas Raiders, I believe, will upset the Pittsburgh Steelers and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 34 to 30. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2020. Why do I bring up the year 2020? Because that is the year, last year, obviously, that Tom Brady actually picked up and left the New England Patriots. A move that, a move that all of us never thought would happen, but it happened. When he left New England, went to Tampa Bay, brought Gronk with him, brought A brought A B with him, brought in Dominican Sue with him, and he won a championship. But I throw this scenario out to you, ladies and gentlemen. What if Tom Brady had chosen not to go to Tampa, but he chose to go to the Los Angeles Chargers? What if Tom Brady had chosen the Los Angeles Chargers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Then, if if he chooses Los Angeles over Tampa, then what does that mean for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do, do 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 the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if if Tampa misses out on Tom Brady does that mean Tampa goes into the draft and they draft Justin Herbert and does Justin Herbert end up as the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and not Tom Brady and not only that if if Tom Brady goes to Los Angeles do the Chargers win the AFC West? Do the Chargers get to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady? Again, never ever know, ladies and gentlemen. You never ever know. That's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate you all. I hope you all enjoy week two of the National Football League, as I know I will. Thank you so much. I'm out. Peace.